Good morning, folks. Welcome to It's a Religion. Ehud, son of Dennis, come to you live from the Middle West of the divided states of America and to the Republic for which they stand, two nations under God, with liberty and justice for all. My voice is sounding kind of weird today, isn't it? I kind of like it. Sounds kind of edgy, doesn't it? No, I don't know. Hey, welcome everybody. We are here to promote and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ as the one true faith, uh, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. He created everything. He sustains everything. He is coming back someday to reclaim his own and uh, to set things right. And and uh, if you don't want to follow the truth, what do you got? You got things like evolutionism, Shintoism, Hinduism, uh, Mohammedism, secular humanism and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff that you can put your faith and trust in that the uh, legacy media, the uh, folks in academia and uh, lots of folks in the big cities especially would love to have you along with them because that's what they typically put faith in. And uh, it's it's an interesting phenomenon right now. Uh I just saw a horrible story this morning that a 37-year-old man uh, got shot down in cold blood. Um, random acts of violence by some 17-year-old kid when he was out sharing his faith in Montgomery, Alabama. And, you know, that is the world of Satan. That's the world of uh, anti-Godism. And people who don't have faith, people who have been uh, cultured, because, you know, this whole discussion has nothing to do with race. We hear it as religion uh, talk about that. You know, there is one race, people, the human race. Black, white, brown, blue, green, purple, uh, it doesn't matter. You're a human being. If you walk on two legs and are cognizant enough to be able to have a conversation. The animals are not like that. Dogs and cats, and no matter how you want to dress them up and how you want to act like they're your children, um, they can't talk to you. And uh, we watched a movie last night with our boys where all these dogs are talking during the movie. And again, it's it's funny. It's funny to think about that they have thoughts and you know have personalities. And I would say they have personalities, but it's more of a reactive thing to... Uh, you know, it's just built into their genetics that God designed into them. And, um, you know, to think that all this stuff happened by random chance, too, it just, it cracks me up. It absolutely cracks me up that supposed smart people, supposed uh, really smart people, will stand there and tell you that we came from a bowl of soup millions of years ago and and actually think that that, that makes sense. And yet say that this story that that a higher being uh came and and created all this um when you look at the programming the human genome it goes well yeah that that would take some intelligence to put that together you know that's not going to happen by random chance I, i don't care how many millions of years you have right so anyway we start with the premise that the Bible is true, that the Bible is where you're going to find the answers to life, that the Bible is uh, full of what you need to live this life, to be quite honest. And so uh, we start in the book of Genesis every year, 
we go back to that because that is uh, the beginning. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Uh, Genesis tells us how we got here and some of the purposes of life, and then it starts into the history of Jesus Christ coming to this earth to save us all. And I believe that's mainly what the Old Testament is about. It's the struggles of the, the Israelite people, the God's chosen people, the ones that, that he chose to bring Christ through. And that it was the purpose of being the chosen people. You know, the, per, the initial purpose was to show the truth of God, to show who God is, who he uh, claimed to be, show the power of God when he brought them out of uh, slavery in Egypt which we'll get to in the Bible here soon. Um, and so, uh, if you don't have that, if you don't have the truth of Christ and the truth of the Bible, um, what do you have? You don't have anything objective that you can hold on to. You know, if you put your faith and trust in evolution, evolution is changing all the time because science changes its mind on, on how it has to operate. You know, it used to be this slow, gradual thing. Well, now they're, because they haven't found any transitionary forms in the fossils, they go, oh, well, it had to happen fast. It was millions of years, and then bam. Uh, all this stuff evolved over a million years, and then bam. Nothing has evolved since then. And that's the other dirty little secret. It's like, you don't see any, you'd think you'd see something transitioning into something else right now, wouldn't you? And they just go, oh, well, it happens too slow, you can't really see it. Really? Uh, but but yet, it should be happening, right? And we should see some evidence of that, observable evidence of things changing into other things. But you don't see that. And, but they just keep pulling the blanket over, over these problems because they don't want to admit that, that it, it's the most uh, ridiculous and stupid uh, theory that ever came upon man. And they keep trying to prop it up different ways, but... The more they try and prop it up, the more archaeology and the more uh, it just gets proven to be pathetic and stupid. Anyway, let's go to the Bible, Genesis 29. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep laying by it. And uh, hither there were all flocks. Now, I'm going to kind of skip, start skipping through a little bit more because um, by middle of April, we need to be moving into the New Testament. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to skip along a little bit in some different sections of the Old Testament, um, because we don't have time to read through the entire Bible, uh, chapter at a time in a year. It takes, you got to read multiple chapters a day to do that. So here we're going to look at Jacob in chapters, Genesis 30 and 31. And, uh, look at what happens through him. And uh, Jacob said unto them, My brethren, once be ye. And they said, Of Haran we are. So he comes to the house of Laban through this. And uh, while he was speaking, Rachel came uh, with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, and he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house, and he told Laban all these things. So they're having a little family reunion, and uh, um, 
Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. The Bible says Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. I'm not sure what tender-eyed exactly means, but Leah obviously wasn't as good-looking as, as Rachel, apparently. I think this is the point. But Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, my younger daughter. So he makes a deal with Laban. Laban said, it's better I give her to you than uh, some other man. So Jacob goes through with this, and uh, seven years are fulfilled. And he says, give me my wife. And Laban gathered together the men and made a feast. And that night he took Leah, his daughter, and brought him to, to Jacob. And Laban gave his daughter, uh, Leah, Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. And it came to pass in the morning that was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Where then hast thou beguiled me? So Laban tricks him and gives him Leah to wife instead of Rachel. How he didn't know that, I don't know. It must have been dark or something. But um, but if if you look at it, God uses all this to develop the people of Israel through all these different things that go on. So Laban tricks Jacob, just like Jacob tricked Esau too. It's kind of interesting how uh, sowing and reaping, right? Jacob sowed trickery and he kind of got some just desserts out of this. But anyway, and so then Laban goes, well, hey, you know, serve me another seven years and I'll give you Rachel also. And Jacob did and fulfilled it and gave, and he gave him Rachel. So Laban uh, gave Rachel his daughter and Bilhah his handmaid to be her maid. And he went also to Ra- unto Rachel and loved Rachel more than Leah and served him yet another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceives a bunch of kids. She ends up with like six. Um, and then uh, actually has Dinah after that. And then Rachel uh, saw that she bare Jacob no children and envied her sister and said unto Jacob, give me children or else I die. Now that's, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> that's interesting, don't you think? Back then, children were a blessing and an encouragement. And uh, women desired children so much that uh, she would rather die than not have children. And contrast that with today's society and the things that women are told, it's better to have a career than a child. And it's a, it's a sad state of affairs when you walk away from God's uh, goodness and God's uh, desire for what, humanity. Um, and Jacob's like, hey, am I God? I can't open your womb. And uh, so she's like, well, go into my maid Bilhah and make her to wife and she'll, she shall give me children and I can have children by her. And it's crazy that they used to do stuff like that back then. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid to wife, and Jacob went into her and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God has judged me and has heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. So, and Bilhah, Rachel's maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she named his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. And she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, so at this point, Jacob has four wives. Uh, And Leah's like, happy am I for the daughter's will be called blessed, and she called his name Asher, and Reuben went went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field, 
and brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, my, of my, thy son's mandrakes. And he said unto her, It is a small matter that thou hast taken my husband, and would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore, she shall lie with thee tonight. He shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And I still don't understand the whole thing about the mandrakes. Um, I'm sure somebody more historical can, can do that. But God hearkened to Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my heart. And she thinks that's going to, that's where Issachar comes from. And Leah thinks that that's going to somehow create favor with Jacob <clears throat> and make him love her more than Rachel. And, uh, and called him Zebulun and then had Dinah after that. And God remembered Rachel at this point and God hearkened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bare a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. And it came to pass, and Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go to my own place, and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served thee, and let me go. For you know the service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, I have found favor in thy eyes, uh, and Jacob's like, hey, appoint me my wages and, and give it. And for you didn't have much before I came, and now it has increased into a multitude. The Lord has blessed thee since my coming, and now when shall I provide for my own house? <laughs> and he said, what shall I give thee? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. So they go into this deal. Laban says, Behold, I would that it might be according to thy word. And Jacob said, Hey, I'm going to do uh, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, and the brown among the sheep, that shall become stolen with me. And so there's a difference between the speckled goats and the unspeckled goats. And it just happens that when they do this, um, the ones that come out now are all going Jacob's direction. And God is blessing Jacob uh, and not the stuff that uh, uh, was going to go to Laban. And it's it's really pretty interesting. So the flocks conceived before the rods and bought forth cattle, ring strength, speckled and spotted. And Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ring strength and all the brown and the flock of Laban. He put down his own flocks by themselves and put them not. And it came to pass once over the stronger cattle did conceive that Jacob said the rods, laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle and the gutters and they might conceive among the rods, which again, I don't know all that, but. And the man increased exceedingly, here's the point, and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. So Jacob continues his progress in Laban's house and Laban doesn't receive as much from that at this point. Um, maybe it's partly because he tricked Jacob uh, into the whole Leah thing and all that. But, but again, this is the historical account of how Israel, the people group of Israel came to being. You had Abraham, Abraham then you had Isaac, uh, whereas Ishmael went off and, and created the... the Arabic community and Israeli community came through Isaac uh, and then Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons that we're going to see what happens with them. Um, and that's Genesis uh, 29 and 30. And uh, we'll get into 30 and probably 31 tomorrow. So Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, Lord, that you bring forth on a daily basis. Uh, on this show and uh, just to folks all over the place.
um, who love you and praise you and worship you and, and know that you are the one true king uh, of this life. And it's a beautiful thing. So with that, let's look at a couple things. Again, I said something about this husband of, of, uh, of a pregnant lady in Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, gunned down at 37 years old. Now, we thank God that he's in heaven with his Lord. But this poor wife, you know, I, I just, I don't understand it. He was preaching the gospel on the street, sharing his faith. And the guy just shoots him for no good reason. And how satanic is that? The taking of innocent life. Uh, but you see more and more of this. You know, our police officers getting gunned down. You see more... Um, consternation in our cities and I, I lay this right at the feet of our political leaders who don't talk about things like family and uh, moms and dads they want to they're trying to create this world that is supposedly going to be more perfect and yet it gets more and more chaotic all the time because they're going against God's standards and God's truth and that's Satan folks he wants to create confusion he wants to create uh, separation. He wants to create hate and anger amongst people. He wants to create what our society calls racism, and I call it culturalism. He wants to pit groups against each other, old versus young, black versus white, uh, Chinese versus African. I don't know. You know, it doesn't matter. But Satan is going to do that within people. Spiritually, that's where it starts. And then when you start thinking wrong, God turns you over to those things. That's what Romans says. Romans says God turns people over to a debased mind when they suppress the truth in unrighteousness, that God is true, that, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And so we can see this at work in our society today. So the liberal rag that is called our local paper, which uh, should have a lot more, uh, should have a lot more to talk about uh, in a more even-handed manner, is, is very focused on the uh, liberal ideal of things. And it's an interesting, one of the things on the, on the front page, it says, conservative makeup. Breyer has seen the Supreme Court lean more to the right during his time on the bench. And, you know, the Supreme Court shouldn't be right or left. It should say, is this constitutional or not? And that's not what it's become. It's become a political tool to implement a liberal agenda because liberals can't get their agenda passed through a congressional session because nobody wants socialism, folks. Nobody in this country wants to be controlled, to be subjected to the government. And that's what Democrats typically are for and all about. And that's what all of their policy goals are toward. And they'll hide them uh, all the time in different means, but typically that's what they're all about. And I, again, I believe it's satanic at its core. I believe most of the people in the Democrat Party are faithless uh, folks that do not want what's best for uh, families in this country. And um, I think they're being deceived. You know, as as soon as you put your faith in an old earth and evolution, uh, I, I think you're starting from a point that uh, you're being deceived. And so how can you, if you're not fearing God properly, trusting in his word uh, over man's ideas, over what man is trying to tell you is right and wrong and good and true, then you're done. You're cooked. It's, it's over. It, you know. So a court, the, the Supreme Court, 
should not be. We shouldn't know the political uh, attributes of these things, right? We shouldn't know what that is at all. So, you know, I don't know how you... uh, how you get around that at this point, uh, I think it's it's just a hard situation. So uh, because our media is just gonna promote that um, all over the place. And you know, it's not it's not gonna help. Uh, our society. So, our society needs Christ. And it always has and it always will. Um, One last thing I will encourage folks with, European Freedom Convoy. This is hilarious. We will converge on Brussels as a united Europe. So, you've got all these convoys, the Canadian Convoy, Europe Convoy, there's going to be a U.S. Convoy. Uh, God bless truckers. You know, my brother drives a truck, and I never thought I would be more proud of him than I am at this moment. And uh, just thinking about what these guys are doing, the the normal folks that make this country work, Russ Limbaugh used to call them, right, that, that truly make things work in this country. It isn't Washington, D.C., folks. It isn't Nancy Pelosi's of the world that make things work. They haven't a clue. Nancy Pelosi couldn't find her way out of a box, um, if she was given full instructions and told how to do it and put in there by somebody in, in, who was talking to her the whole time, she probably still couldn't figure it out. But because she is able to um, run for office from a uh, place where she keeps getting elected, even though she doesn't have a clue, she ends up with a $35 million cushion to go down and buy a home in Florida with on the coast. Right, so she can be free and free of all the goofiness in California when she retires. And the hypocrisy uh, of the left and the satanic influence that, it, that it's all about uh, is pathetic. But I just love that these truckers and these guys are putting this together to show, you know, look, we are about freedom, folks. We don't want to be subjects of your government. We don't want to be told we have to shelter in place. We don't want to be told that our business has to shut down. We don't want to be told to have to wear a mask for the rest of our lives because some germ might get us. You know what? I mean, life is is full of risks. That's what freedom is all about. You can't have, as Ben Franklin said, both freedom and security. If you trade in freedom for security, you don't deserve either. And you're not going to get either because you're not going to be secure. The government is not cannot secure you to the level that they say that they can. And it's a joke. So that's the battle that we're in today. I believe it's satanic in its core. Uh, and people may think I'm crazy for that, but that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. So I'm going to go watch a Bible show, show with my son. And uh, we'll call it a day. So I thank you for stopping by. And uh, we will catch you tomorrow. Swing, the summer nights and fireflies and the sound of my old six string. Blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings if I still got breath in these lungs. 
And that's all I need to get down on my knees and be thankful for all that he's done.